Welcome to the Today is the Day podcast, where we take a deep dive into popular health topics and empower you to make informed, evidence-based decisions. We offer practical tools and strategies so you can easily integrate what you learn into your everyday habits. And today is the day we're defining one of the most critical bits of natural health, and that is prevention. Often misunderstood, always vital. We'll be covering what prevention really means, the difference between prevention and early detection, the role natural healthcare plays in prevention, the difference between active prevention and passive prevention, and where you can start in taking on your own prevention plan. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for the final episode in our third season. And it's possible we saved the best for last. This is an important one, maybe now more than ever. I'm Megan Telpner, a nutritionist, two-time best-selling author, and founder of the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. And joining me as always is Josh Catalas, who on a regular basis is the key in preventing me from doing and saying things I might regret. Prevention comes in all forms. Good point, Megan. (laughs) Hi, everyone. I'm a clinical nutritionist and functional medicine practitioner with a clinic in downtown Toronto. I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Certification Program and an instructor with the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. When I have a healthy prospective client that calls me up and wants to work with me, I get really excited about this. I know. You always tell me about it, too. But it rarely happens. Most people come to me when they're already down what I call the slope of health and already dealing with a health crisis or have a diagnosis. Of course, I work with them and help them to resolve their health issues from the root cause. And then we look at future prevention. It always challenges us when we see these health crises and we're experiencing one in the world. And you and I look at it and we think like, how could this have been prevented? Could it have been avoided altogether? What if a more preventative measure, active prevention had been taken back in March 2020 when it was all going on? We ask these big questions, and I won't lie, they they have kept me up at night trying to figure out these answers. And we did our vitamin D program, and we're trying to raise awareness about all the things people can do to stop disease before it starts. And that's really what we want to dig in on today. Absolutely. I think it's been well recognized that we actually have a pandemic in a pandemic. Yes. Where this wouldn't have gotten to the level it was. It is. It is. It is here in Toronto right now. If people, generally speaking, were in a healthier state. Now, we know that comorbidities are a very serious risk factor for complications and death from viruses and illnesses and bacteria and, and all sorts of stuff that affect us. So don't we want to be in the healthiest state possible? And I get really excited, as I mentioned, when people come to me and they don't have a diagnosis or a condition. This is a very powerful place to be and really the ultimate goal. Right. We want to start by talking about what prevention actually means. So the definition of prevention is the act or practice of keeping something from happening. So it never having happened in the first place. And that's really where natural health practices can be incredibly powerful in actually maintaining health. However, in the conventional medical world, prevention is thought of differently. Right. It's thought of as early diagnosis, really. Right. And that's based on a system that is centered around diagnosis, around diagnostics and diagnosis. So when they have different methods 
or ways of actually detecting something earlier, detecting something in a way that it hasn't become a crisis, they deem that as a preventative measure. And where we want something to never have happened in the first place. That's how we define prevention. And what's interesting is that in conventional medicine, they actually have diagnoses for early detection, like precancerous cells or pre-diabetic. But then there's rarely preventative measures, active preventative measures recommended to actually start to reverse and prevent full-blown cancer from happening or full-blown diabetes from happening. And again, in the natural health world, there is so much that can be done. And those types of diagnoses should be thought of as blessings because you've been given a big red warning flag to say, you know, the path you're on isn't heading down a good direction. Now's the time to change course. Let's dig into prediabetes for a moment because it's a great example. But before that, I just want to outline a really great quote. In the beginning, disease is difficult to detect, but easy to treat. In the end, disease is easier to detect, but harder to treat. I'm going to say that again because I feel like people listening to me are like, oh, I have to write this one down. In the beginning, disease is difficult to detect, but easy to treat. In the end, disease is easier to detect, but harder to treat. So that's like where you're going to the doctor with symptoms and you don't feel well and you don't know what's wrong. And they're like, everything's coming up fine. Your blood work is normal. Everything's normal. And then at the end, you get that big diagnosis and suddenly you've got this massive complicated health challenge that is affecting multiple systems in the body. Like with prediabetes. Right. You go to the doctor every year, you get your blood work done. It's normal, it's normal, it's normal. Oh, wait, your hemoglobin A1C and your blood sugar and your insulin are out of range or, or they're getting to be out of range. You can even see it on lab work. It says before diabetes, it says prediabetes when right. your blood is in a certain range. And then you go home and you're like, hmm, I'm pre-diabetic. What do I do? Well, the doctor didn't give me any recommendations. I'll just continue and hopefully not get diabetes. But then eventually you get it. They just keep monitoring the situation. Exactly. And now you're in the bracket for diagnosis, right. right? Legally, a doctor can now give it a name. Now you have diabetes. And then legally, they can now go to their other resource and look to see what the treatment is. And they're going to give you, you know, metformin or whatever drug that's going to help bring your blood sugar down to try to deal with that end stage. But you were probably doing something for a very long time and probably feeling something, symptoms, which I've talked about in the past as the language of the body, and just didn't tune into them and take action to change that up. Well, often what happens is they start out as little whispers, that's right. And they get louder and louder and louder. And you don't even know until one day you wake up and you're like, what has happened? What is going on in my body? Most people don't think about their health until there's something actually very wrong with it. Our objective with prevention is not to have to think about our health because everything is just right with it. And we're going to get into some of those daily practices and what a preventative lifestyle looks like shortly. No news is good news, man. No news is good news. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Do you have a headache right now? No, thank you. But you don't think, I don't have a headache right now, I feel good. But if you had a headache, you would think, ah, I got a headache, I need to get rid of that. Why am I getting that headache? Why do I feel this way? What's the root cause? Do I need to take a Tylenol? Am I just gonna, you know, numb the pain? So when it comes to health, it's just this absence of discomfort. Right, 
That's just it. My goal with prevention, our goal is to live this preventative lifestyle, not having to think about our health. I want to get to a place where I take my health for granted in that it's something that I just have. I want to be able to rely on my body to show up for everything that I want to do. Isn't it so annoying when you're trying to get somewhere in your car and something happens to your car where it affects your trip? That happened to us recently. The battery dies. There's a flat tire. Both of those things recently happened to us. (laughs) You really just want your car to perform to take you from A to B or your bicycle to perform to take you from A to B or whatever mode of transportation. But when that vehicle gets affected, just like our body, we can't actually have what Megan and I call the full expression of the pose. Right. Right. It's just something you don't want to think about. You don't want to think about that vehicle. So you got to tune up every year. Do you want to explain a little bit before we go any further about how this breakdown happens? Yes. So I talked about how in the beginning, disease is harder to detect, but easy to treat. Well, what's actually happening in our body? If we look at the progression of how we go from a place of imbalance to a place of full-on disease, we can start from just a biochemical level. Some of the nutrients, maybe the hormones, maybe the different chemicals that are in our blood are starting to get out of balance. They're starting to sneak away from homeostasis. That's kind of step number one, biochemical imbalance. Then we start to affect the cell the little units that make up our whole body, the 10 trillion units, and they start to not really work the way they should work. And then that goes out into an organ or a set of cells, and then that can go out to the whole body. So as we progress down this pathway, symptoms get worse and worse and more noticeable, but it always starts to happen really early on. And that's actually one of the great benefits of functional nutrition and functional medicine is that we have these lab tests and ways of determining even through symptomatology when something's out of balance years before it becomes a big problem. Right. Now, something that we hear a lot of, and we've talked about the Yulsees, you know, we get a lot of Yulsees in raising our child and our intentions and all that, but there's also Yulsees in the health space in that Often people think of how we live as really hard, torturous, that we're like missing out on things, that there's a lack. And the reality is that healthy living, living a preventative lifestyle is joyful because you feel good in the process. And as you get closer and closer and moving further along the right direction on that slope of health, maintaining optimal health, it really is effortless because to do otherwise and start to feel lousy again, that feels like it's lacking abundance. That feels like it's exhausting and hard to maintain and hard to do. It's hard to get out of bed in the morning, every morning, when you have chronic body pain, when you have headaches, when you're in a low mood. And so it's sort of shifting that idea of considering healthy living, not to be one of deprivation, but it's actually quite the opposite. It's completely the opposite because you're feeling well and as such can live a full, active, healthy, joyful life. That's right, Megan. Megan, I think we all have an inner child in us. We do. It's like that inner child that just wants to grab the ice cream and not even think about it. My inner child had a lot of hair accessories on at one time. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, 
a child will just grab the sugary snack, right? Yeah. And they won't think about the consequences later. And one of the most powerful tools when it comes to health and prevention is delayed gratification. Right. Something that maybe it's a little bit more stressful right now, but it always pays off in the future way bigger than you would have thought. Right. You know, I'm going to say it. <laughs> I'm going to say this phrase. I don't know what's coming. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. I had to do it. I know. I it, it, it had to come out at some point. It had to come up at some point. The thing is, when you're living well and healthful, bringing yourself closer to the truth, you have a better connection to your body, you have a better connection to nature, and you have a connection to our truest self when we're not bogged down and clouded by symptoms. And it is that person, that true self of who you are, the higher self, however you want to think about it, that is more creative, more responsive, more productive, feeling more fulfilled. Sometimes I refer to this with my clients as the human condition. Mm. Because I get clients coming to me and saying, you know, I've never felt what good energy feels like. I don't even know what it is. I just see people doing a lot more than I'm doing. So I want to taste that, right? I want to know what it's like. But I haven't in so long. So Josh, what is it like? And I try to explain what the human condition is, which is what you were just talking about, being connected, having full energy, feeling creative, waking up with energy, having that sustained pretty much throughout the day. When I resolved my autoimmune disease 14 years ago now in 2006, oh gosh, that's 15 years ago maybe. Either way, what I found profound in that experience, and I was young, I was just 26, but I didn't just eliminate the symptoms that had been progressively getting worse over the previous three or four years. It was that I had for the first time in memory, probably felt this as a child, but didn't remember it. But for the first time in my memory at that point, I felt well beyond being absent of symptoms. Like I felt happy. And I still do now. Like I go to work, I do my work all day, which I'm grateful to get to do. And then it's almost like I feel a sense of excitement for every part of the day. I'm excited to get up and exercise. I'm excited to have breakfast with the family. I'm excited to get to do my work. I look forward to coming home and seeing everybody. I look forward to putting our son to bed and spending time with you. And that is an incredible place to be. And for me, my motivation to continue doing this is that I don't ever want that to go away. Nothing is worth losing that feeling. I think this is a great place to issue a warning. Oh, okay. A very serious warning that the preventative lifestyle has side effects. Side benefits. Yes, exactly. So when we're moving away from the truth and away from health, side effects are worse. When we're moving towards health, we actually get good side effects. Yeah. Right? You start doing this stuff and little things sometimes that were nagging you, go away and you don't even think about it. Not even maybe your main concern because you're bringing the body back into balance. It's important to mention that there is no guarantee. Like none of what we're sharing in this podcast and any of the work we do guarantees you a lifetime of perfect optimal health. But we like to think of it as an insurance policy because should you experience an injury or develop an illness or disease or get an infection... Firstly, wouldn't you want to know that you did everything you could to prevent it? But also, wouldn't you be happy to know that you've done everything you can to invite the most positive outcome possible? That's a powerful place to be. Absolutely. And one of the first discussions of this in the literature was by a doctor by the name of James Fries. 
course's last name was Fries. <laughs> and what he discussed back in the 1980s was this concept of compression of morbidity. Compression of morbidity. I've so, never heard that before. Yeah. So morbidity is when you're not well, right? Yeah. And he drew a curve in a study showing that instead of that curve kind of going on a downward slope gradually, he wanted it to be more of a plateau and mm -hmm. then a drop off. And the thinking at the time was that aging is this slow and steady decrease and decline down the slope. And so what he was looking for was that you age and age and age in a steady incline of increased vitality and life and joy. And this sudden drop is you just drop dead. Exactly. Right. You want to just drop dead one day. <laughs> but this was a little bit frowned upon at the time. Like he was ridiculed somewhat. But what really he was trying to get through to people was that we want a longer health span and not necessarily a longer lifespan, although both would be great. Can I add in one of your favorite cliches? Sure. We want to add more life to our years, not just more years to our life. That's right. So he wanted to, I guess, challenge those people that were challenging him and further this in the literature. So he enrolled a number of 63-year-olds around that time and monitored them for 15 years, where he then published his second study in 1998. And what he found was those that practiced everything we're talking about in this podcast, everything we've been talking about, the lifestyle of prevention, delayed disability by seven years. That is some life to the years. Yeah, and that's just in, in a 15-year study. And what he found was the four factors that were modifiable or that affected their disability delay. You mean improved quality of life. Exactly. Was their level of fitness. Yeah. Right, so how active they were. Their level of intelligence. So how much they actually stimulated the mind and progressed in terms of their level of knowledge. Their social interactions who they were communicating with on a daily basis, their family, their friends, and their memory, which is interesting. That is interesting. So all of these things, which we all know are preventative and beneficial for a healthy health span, delayed their disability and their degradation and their movement down the slope of health by seven years. Right. So doing things like staying fit and healthy, maybe joining group exercise programs, going for daily walks, intelligence, like taking classes, continuing to learn and exercise the brain, being social, having friendships, playing cards, having those groups that you meet up with a couple times a week, and activities that strengthened memory were all part of increasing quality of life. And in this case, for seven years, it extended it by participating in those activities. Yeah. So this is a great recognition of these efforts. Yeah. And how you can do little things on a regular basis consistently and actually have a very different trajectory of where your health goes. I think it's really important to acknowledge the value in those efforts because I, I think that it can be easy to listen to this podcast, take our courses, work with us, and think that you have to do a hundred things a day perfectly right for any of this to work. And that's not it. It's putting little drops in throughout the day, ongoing in a way that is enjoyable, sustainable, maintainable, and really feels like the right thing for you, which, you know, it's going to be different for everybody what those key things are. But every effort is worth it. We're going to take a quick pause here so you can meet one of our incredible culinary nutrition expert grads. This is Cindy Santa Anna. 
Straight away upon graduating, Cindy got straight to work running her own classes and programs and wisely working together with other graduates and experts in the field to build a wide and solid network of followers and clients. Here's Cindy to share more. Hi, I'm Cindy Santa Anna, and I'm a 2016 graduate of the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program. The program taught me how to create delicious plant-based recipes that my clients love. The skills and knowledge that I gained allowed me to start teaching culinary nutrition cooking classes here in Northern Virginia. I've been leading monthly sold-out classes for four years now. I also authored the book, Unprocessed Living, teaching people how to break away from processed foods and how to eat real nutrient-dense whole foods. I went on to become a nutritional therapy practitioner and have a thriving virtual practice specializing in hormone balance for women over 40. You can find more information about that at unlockbetterhealth.com. I love Megan's style, enthusiasm, her knowledge, and ongoing support in the alumni community as well. It's an ongoing educational journey that I'm very grateful for. Cindy is now working hard to be able to offer services and more classes online as the times call for it. Learn more about Cindy's offerings in our show notes. Visit culinarynutrition.com forward slash podcast and choose this episode for links to everything she offers. Registration is now open for our September program and we would love for you to join us. If you fancy a taste test of the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program, why not start with our free training? You can watch the preview video and learn more at culinarynutrition.com forward slash free training. You'll receive instant access to your first module. And through this five-day mini course, you'll be baking up something absolutely delicious. It's going to be gluten-free, dairy-free, egg-free, nut-free, Oh, did I mention delicious already? It's worth saying it twice. Go on and check it out and write this down so you can visit when you're done listening, culinarynutrition.com forward slash free training. You're going to love it. Now let's get back to today's conversation. I have a story I want to share, Megan. Tell me your story. Uh, Many years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe about 20 years ago now, I went golfing with my grandfather. Yep. And he took me along with, there was two other friends. So we were a foursome and it was me, my grandfather and two of his friends. And much of the time that we were golfing during that day, they were talking about their operations. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I came home and I, uh, I told my mother about it and she found it quite funny. And then she had relayed that information back to my grandfather and he found it quite funny too because he didn't even realize what he was doing. But as a youngster, I was seeing this as kind of the norm of that older population. And I think that a lot of the ideas around how our health degrades has actually become the norm and has been accepted. So one of the things I teach in my mental health and neurology course is that when people have quote unquote senior moments, there's even a name for it, they think it's normal, but it's not. That's actually a sign that your brain is starting to degenerate. Degenerative disease is not the human condition but it has become normal and we accept it as normal. And you mentioned your grandfather and he followed that slope where he continued and continued and then suddenly dropped at almost 100 years old. But we'd had brunch with him maybe a month or two before he passed away. And he said he had to leave because he had work to do. 
And we both looked at each other like he's nearly a <laughs> hundred years old. What kind of work did he have to do? But he had this independence and vitality and he was golfing and he was super active up until the natural end came to his life. That's right. And that's the ultimate goal, really. Let's switch gears for a moment and cover the difference between what we call active prevention and passive prevention. Passive prevention is what you can think of as avoiding contact with risk of disease or infection. So currently in this pandemic era, telling people to stay home and wear a mask, all of that will reduce your exposure to the pathogen and reduce risk of catching it, basically. However, it doesn't actively promote health in the body. It doesn't actively make you a stronger, more resilient person should you come into contact. And that's really the difference. When we look at active prevention, it's taking on measures, doing active things to build up the resilience of the body. You know, when I was in high school, there was this experiment we did and they gave us each an egg. And they said, you get a certain amount of straws and a certain amount of this particular type of paper. And we want to see if you can prevent that egg from breaking when you drop it from a certain height. So we all broke up into groups and we made these structures and we put the egg in and then we went outside and we went to the second floor and we dropped it from the window. Now, that's my idea when I think about passive prevention. It's like, how can we best protect this raw egg? Right. What we're really passionate about and want to focus on is more of an act of prevention. Hey, let me take this head home for the day and hard boil it. <laughs> then let's do the experiment. And in that situation, you're dealing with the root. You're really getting to the core, figuratively and literally speaking, and you're making that egg stronger. Right. And it's not going to be as susceptible to the stressors on the outside. And so when we look at the measures that have been taken in the last year or so, what we've always wondered is, yes, let's take on the public health recommendations, but where is the messaging on how people can prevent getting sick in the first place? Where is the messaging on how people can build up their health to the best of their ability? And where's the support for the most vulnerable to be able to do that? And that's really where that active prevention component has been missing and where we all have such a great opportunity to, you know, build that straw structure around ourselves while also being hard-boiled. <laughs> Imagine if over the past year and a half, there was a focused, powerful campaign to help people work on prevention. Yeah. I mean, this is why Megan and I put together the Vitamin D Hub, vitamindhub.com, is because we saw that there was an opportunity uh, really easily accessible opportunity, which had a big bang for its buck in terms of how it would benefit people's immunity. Right. And ultimately, active prevention and the things you can take on, which we're going to chat about in a moment, is getting to a place where you're no longer fearing the pathogen or the disease. It doesn't mean you're not going to get it, but optimally, it means that you reduce the risk of complications, adverse events, getting this to become a bigger thing than it needs to be. You know, I get colds. I get sick, I rest, and I get better. I don't have this great fear that it's going to turn into something else because of active preventative measures that I take. Of course, anything's possible. But again, I'm happy to know that I did everything I could. You know, I remember back, Megan, when we first started to learn about health. Yeah. And I still had a lot of questions. Like you hear the word cancer a lot. You hear about heart disease. You hear about all these things from a 
fear perspective. Yeah. And I didn't know fully that I was doing all the right stuff for health. And I was, you know, I didn't know how my health span would be over the next years. But over our 15 years of being in this industry and studying it, when you start to learn how to maximize the human condition, how to best serve the body and health, and you know you're doing all the right things, that fear melts away. Yeah. Something we discussed in our podcast on informed consent and the like was that the more involved you are in your health, the better the outcome. Yeah. Something that's been interesting with what's going on in the world and me having a history of autoimmune diseases is people have asked me, are you scared? Are you worried that like, you know, on paper, I am of the higher risk factor category, but I've also experienced the incredible power of the body when you give it what it needs to heal and be in balance. And that alone provides so much security, safety, a sense of calm and well-being amongst who knows what can happen in our lifetime. But once you experience the ability of the body to heal and repair itself when you give it what it needs, that's a profound trust you have in the human body and in nature and in the resilience of the human species, really. I think what prevents people sometimes from practicing prevention, prevents prevention, yeah, is that a lot of this isn't that sexy. No. And it's not that measurable. That's true too. Right? Like, again, going back to my example of a headache, a headache is very measurable. You get one, you feel the pain, you take a painkiller and it goes away. Yeah. But what if you did all this stuff to prevent headaches in the first place and then never got a headache, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's why I asked you before, do you have a headache right now? And you said no. And like, why would you even think about that? Right. You don't think about all the things you're not experiencing when you're not experiencing. Exactly. But when you get it, it's like your main focus. Yeah. My hand was hurting me yesterday. And Josh said, I understand your hands hurting you. Can you not mention it anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Stop talking about it because it was so incessant and uncomfortable. And that's then it right. went away. So let's talk about these unsexy, unexciting, pretty boring keys to living a preventable lifestyle. Yeah. They're also immeasurable, I should say. This is really going to hold the rest of your attention. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is just to drink clean water. Yeah. We're mostly water. We need it as the universal solvent. Our blood is mostly water. So we need water. It is part of every chemical reaction. And if you don't drink filtered water you are the filter. We want to eat chemical-free food. So optimally, the food we're eating is as close to as it was harvested, as it is when we get it in our kitchen, where most of that processing happens in our own kitchen from just simple cooking techniques, which is what we teach here at the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. What's really amazing to see is that glyphosate, this pervasive chemical that's being used in the food supply is more and more being banned in different parts of the world. And they're hopefully going to be phasing that out. One of the things that, you know, between drinking clean water and eating clean food is that the onus is on the consumer to do all the work to figure this out and find it. And what would be really amazing to see is that this becomes just what it is. It's just what comes out of the tap. It's just the food that you get at the store. I saw this graphic this morning that made me laugh that said, if there's a health section in the grocery store, what's the rest of the store selling? And that's something to think about because as you move into a preventative lifestyle, you actually are moving against the paradigms of convenience and convention that line the grocery store aisles that are in every restaurant, nearly every restaurant. 
we're in a constant balance of expending energy and then restoring energy. So rest is so important. And the harder you push yourself, the more rest you need. So this is another factor of the preventative lifestyle. Get a good night's sleep. And when you feel like you're pushing extra hard, take a little bit more time for yourself. Exercising. So moving the body, which we talk about in nearly every episode to some degree. And I recently asked Josh, who used to be a personal trainer, if you didn't know, but I said, what's better to exercise every day for 20 to 30 minutes or three times a week for an hour? And do you remember what your response was? Oh, yeah. What was it? Every day. Every day. And why, though? For so many reasons. One is just mental health. I mean, you're going to get those endorphins. You're going to get the increased blood flow to the brain. You're going to get the acute effects of that exercise in your 24-hour period. That's going to make you work at a much higher level. The next is to engage in activities and relationships that fill you with joy. And I've recently become very conscious of this. And if I'm talking to someone and it veers towards a negative topic, which is very common, I often will say straight up, let's think of something happy to talk about. And when that challenge becomes too great, I start to wonder whether those relationships need to be continuously nurtured. And so really looking for the people that make you feel joyful, allow you to be, as Josh mentioned earlier, in the full expression of your pose, really starting to focus on engaging with people who invite you to be the truest version of yourself and have that reciprocated. Now, in functional nutrition, we're always thinking about what to take out and what to put in. So we also have to acknowledge that there's things we need to take out. Get rid of the stuff that you know builds disease in the body. And I use specifically that word builds because nothing really causes disease, except maybe in a really high dose, but it builds it over time. So being sedentary, not exercising, doesn't cause disease, but it builds it over time. It's just a paradigm shift in how you think about it. Let me review the incredibly challenging, complicated, and critical steps to living a preventative lifestyle. That was sarcasm if you didn't get it. Drinking clean water, eating chemical-free food, getting adequate rest, exercising regularly, engaging in activities and relationships that fill you with joy, and doing less of the stuff that builds disease in the body. That's it. It's not more complicated than that. And tying this back to something I mentioned earlier, I think one of the biggest things that healthy people have nailed down is the act of delayed gratification. Yes. Right? Because you can eat that sugary snack right now and feel good right now, but pay for it later. You can drink that alcohol and enjoy it right now, but pay for it later. You can do all these things, but when you give them up in the moment... You seek other methods to change the way you feel, and there's no consequences later on. You know what's interesting about all those things you just mentioned about the sugary snack and all those instant gratification things is that you don't actually have to give them up. You just need to upgrade them. And really, that's what culinary nutrition is about, is that you can give up the peanut butter cup from the grocery store and instead make your own amazingly delicious peanut if you want peanut, but almond butter, hazelnut butter, like you can do that. And that's epically delicious. You can give up the grocery store cheesecake and make your own with raw cashews and a walnut date crust and infuse it with essential oils if you want. And that's delicious. So you don't actually have to give it up. There's no deprivation in this. It's just upgrading what you're doing and how you're doing it. And yes, it's a delayed gratification, but 
there's still so much fulfillment and abundance in the process. Megan, I think that was a mic drop moment. Thank you, Doug. But okay, don't do it because we still have to finish this podcast. Keeping this mic in its holster. So earlier, I talked about the progression of disease. First, I started by talking about it as biochemical, then going to the cell, then going to the organ, then going to the body. Let's continue that. What happens when the body, when you as an individual aren't healthy? And how does that affect the people around you, your community, the world? Right. Which is exactly what we're seeing right now. The way we look at active prevention is that taking care of your own health to the best of your ability is a critical part of community health. Not only are you less likely to be a contagion of things, but you're also avoiding being an extra burden on the healthcare system. There's always going to be needs for a healthcare system. There's always going to be needs for emergency medicine, in some cases, surgeries and procedures. But degenerative disease doesn't need to be the burden on the system that it is. And that's where our own active preventative measures can allow us to become part of a community-based and then citywide, countrywide, global health strategy. So where does prevention begin on this global level? I really like those videos, you know, where you start at like the cell and then it zooms out and then you see the organ and the person and that. Have you ever seen those? You know, and then you see the earth and then you see the universe and then it keeps on going further. Well, we're zooming right back in, back into our bodies and into the mind because that's really where all of this begins. It begins in the mindset, in your beliefs, in your habits, in how you actually understand what health is. And hopefully through our podcast and through what we discussed today, we've given you a deeper understanding of how to lengthen the health span, of how to experience the compression of morbidity and how to have that plateau effect so that you feel your best until the day that you maybe drop dead. So (laughs) I, as you know, I've been doing a lot of work and research around the mind And the frequency of the mind and the energetics, in other words, the quantum physics of it. And what's really interesting about the mindset is that when you're operating on this elevated level of positivity and health and joy, it isn't just affecting you. You radiate outside your body. And that alone, without getting too woo-woo, has a positive health impact. And if we have enough people scattered around the globe in that state of mind, that's a powerful shifting mechanism. Everyone knows how they feel when they're in the room with someone who's depressed versus someone who's just full of joy. Yes. So unexpected benefits of living this preventative lifestyle include cultivating joy and being in a joyful state, yearning for and being more in nature and being more tuned into and taking care of nature making time to enjoy those moments in between, those moments of pause where you get to actually enjoy the fruits of of the work that you do. And of course, having time and making time to do the things that have you in, quote, flow. All of that is part of nourishing the body. It supports the immune system. It also helps to elevate the standards in which we want to live by. Just like I discussed earlier, where we want that vehicle to take us from A to B and not have to worry about it, we were given this vehicle called the human body. And essentially, we want it to take us from A to B and be able to live the life we want to live. So the greatest investment we can ever make is in our health in this moment. It's how we serve this body and make sure it operates at the highest level. I always like to use health dollars as an analogy as to how we can fill that bank account up. 
And we want to keep on putting in those deposits so we have huge amount of equity and money to spend when we have to, but mostly compounding interest on all that equity year after year. Well, that was a grand finale, I would say. Thank you everyone so much for joining us on this episode and listening along for our third season. This is the final episode of this season, but we will be back for more. We have loads of resources and links to invite you to bring more health-building practices into your life that are easy and most importantly to me, delicious. Head over to culinarynutrition.com forward slash podcast to get access to all of the additional information, recipes, and links. We hope you've enjoyed this season of the Today's Day podcast. If you have topic ideas that you'd love us to cover, drop us a note and let us know. And of course, those reviews will help us come back sooner. If you're listening to this episode and thinking, okay, today is the day and you are ready to commit to building health in your life and the lives of those you love, then take the leap. The Culinary Nutrition Expert Program is the place to start, and Josh and I will be supporting you every step of the way. This program teaches nutrition through the practical application in the kitchen. Whole, unprocessed food is the primary tool for our teaching, and we are inclusive of all dietary philosophies. It's a health and life changer. Learn more at culinarynutrition.com forward slash program. Knowledge is important, but applying it is where the power is. As I always say, the best way to get started is to get started. Take what you've learned and start applying it in your life. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and share it with your friends. We look forward to connecting with you again next time.